The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect official policies or position of the Church of England Pensions Board, any other organisation, employer or their employees. And now, on with the show. Hi there listeners, it's Friday the 4th of June and for once I am not alone. Welcome to Talking Responsibly. And thank you for joining us for another episode of Talking Responsibly. I feel as though I should uh, explain that opening statement there. When I say I'm not alone, I'm actually physically in the room with another human being. Welcome to Adam Matthews, joining me from right next door to me. Very good to be here, David, and to be gnawed by your dog, and to be with your guitar collection. Yeah, it's it's all happening here. We've got uh, glasses of water poured because, um, although it's a Friday afternoon, um, we we still have to... We're consummate professionals. We're consummate professionals, absolutely. And yes, we are joined also by my dog, who is literally sat on my feet at the moment. But no dog chat this week. No, no, no. Three men talking about dogs was last week. Yeah, yeah. Although that was was lots of fun. Uh, I hope Edward's joining us next, this week. Um, because I think he will get a lot out of the chat today. Um, joining us today, um, we have two guests representing the Talk About Black initiative. We have uh, Gavin Lewis and Justin Onokasi. Um, and hopefully I've got that right. Um, Gavin, I always mince your name. Um, so uh, welcome to you two gentlemen. And rather than introducing the Talk About Black initiative, I'm going to say hello uh, please say hello to our listeners. Hi, listeners. How are we doing? Hey, listeners. The beauty of Zoom. You see, it's completely seamless there. Okay. <laughs> so, welcome uh, on board, guys. Uh, Gavin and I have been uh, speaking for a while about getting something uh, out on this. And with the anniversary of the murder of George uh, Floyd uh, just over a year ago, um, we thought it would be... Uh, very useful to look at some of the work, uh, talk about black, look at racial b- disparity in the city of London a- and in uh, society in general. Um, so I'm going to open and ask Gavin, could you uh, take us through a bit of the history of uh, talk about black and uh, how it gained uh, such prominence uh, more recently? Sure, um, and thank you, uh, thank you for having me on the uh, on the show. Um, it's a pleasure. So, look, um, so talk about black. So, we've been we've been going now um, for about four four years, and we were um, we're a result of the um, efforts by the diversity project that by and led by Dame Helena Morrissey um, to try to increase representation of other underrepresented groups in the asset management industry. I think when the um, diversity project was launched, um, one of the groups were, um, and still is, um, what was then called Black Asian Minority Ethnic or BAME. Um, we were asked, uh, myself, um, Justin, a few other people were asked to lead um, what then became the work stream. Um, the brief, I guess, was very broad. It was almost decide what problem you're going to fix and then establish how you're going to fix it. So we decided to focus on um, the B, i.e. Black, 
principally because at that time, so we're talking now like 2018, it's the discussion around race just wasn't happening in the industry. So most of the um, diversity efforts have been focused on gender. And when, when people did talk about race, they tended to focus on BAME and think about their BAME statistics, which were often um, almost boosted by um, some you know, very well um, performing and successful um, Asians, particularly Indians. So we thought we'd deconstruct the acronym and focus on black. And what I think one of the challenges that we had when we um, looked at you know, the black demographic, which Justin and I obviously represent, uh, is that it was very, very difficult to focus on or make this just a workplace issue because there are a whole bunch of societal and economic factors that, um, that basically result in an underrepresentation and underperformance in the workplace and other institutions. So education, um, you know, other industries outside of finance. So really set about trying to just establish what those issues were and came up with a whole host of plans, um, you know, challenges and plans that we would use to overcome um, these obstacles. Uh, and it resulted in what you may have heard of, which is talk about black, which is essentially a hashtag, which we mm -hmm. use when we first came out to the industry as, as, as black people. And to answer the, you know, obviously there's a lot in between 2018 and now, but to answer your question around why it's rose to prominence more recently is, is as you said, that the, you know, the death of George Floyd, um, let's not forget Amy Cooper in Central Park as well, which happened on the same day yep. you know, as a representative of the asset management industry or then representative of the asset management industry and the need, I think, for, for um, black professionals to take a lead on these, uh, on these issues. Yeah, and um, I remember a chat that we had in, uh, it would have been December 19, uh, Gavin, when you, uh, you came up and we were talking about um, climate action and, and Black Rock's role in it and things like that. Um, and we had a chat in the pub where, you know, we were talking diversity and I um, said, well, surely, surely the, the, the gender argument's the big one. Once we get that right, you know, everything else falls into place. And, and you, quite rightly, uh, schooled me uh, on that particular view. And, um, you know, I think we, we went through quite a few of the uh, issues as to why that isn't um, the case. Yeah, and um, like it's, it's very, it's very, it's very odd because I, I do remember to a little anecdote. I mean, I got approached for a um, um, a role once a few years ago. Again, a few years ago before you know the current the current environment, and I'm sat in front of the headhunter, and um, he told me, "Look, we really like your your profile, um, but look, we really want um, you know a, a woman. You know, we really want someone who's diverse." Um, and we're just not, yeah, right, Sorry. We're just not looking. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? We're just not looking at, you know, like, you know, we need to, you know, to boost the gender representation. So, of course, I'm looking at the guy, like, waiting for the punchline, you know, as in, you know, you know, this is in a time when we could meet people. Um, and it's quite painted that I was black. So, I think, look, before that was, you know, the, 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 the default was gender. And yeah. I, I completely understand why. But I think it was, unfortunately, it was to the, neglect of other groups uh, you know look you know we're not the only group that's been neglected when we think about diversity there's a whole bunch of other protected characteristics that don't feel they have a voice um but certainly at that time right there was a um you know i wasn't even considered a minority yeah that way yeah so you know and obviously a lot's changed since then but um 
yeah, and shame on you, David. But you know, also well, well done for um, championing the uh, <laughs> championing the cause. Hey, hey, mate. You know, I I, uh, I often explain myself as having uh, strong views uh, loosely held. Which means that, you know, I, I will I will argue for things. If you want to convince me, and if you've got good evidence to convince me, I am more than happy to change my position. Um, I believe politicians are often uh, um, criticised for that and, and called flip-floppers, but, you know, I don't care. It's, I'm, I'm a scientist at heart. You know, if the, if the facts change, my views change, and you change my facts. So that was very, very useful. Now, um, moving on to really the explosion of the, the back of the... Uh, the uh, incidents that you mentioned um, uh, last year, Amy Cooper and, and the murder of George Floyd, um, you and, uh, and Talk About Black launched the, uh, the, the hashtag I am uh, campaign, which went remarkably viral, as viral as anything I've seen on LinkedIn for a start. I know things go viral on TikTok and, and whatnot, um, but I don't know if you guys are TikTokers. Uh, Adam and I certainly are not. What's TikTok? Yeah, yeah. Don't even ask your kids. Um, so yeah, could could you could you tell us about the uh, the the impact of that and and what came out of it and what didn't come out of it? Maybe Justin, have you have you how how were you with the how was your hashtag I am um, campaign? Yeah, so uh, actually, I, I do want to just 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 go back on 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 some some of some of the, some of the absolutely that right, yeah. On. And then, and then I'll, I'll come on to, to I am. Um, so, so first of all, when we look at the industry as a whole, the same as investment industry, I, I do think that the the challenges that the industry faces are symptomatic of the corporate sphere and actually society in general. Um, but I do think you know a big turning point, which I think gave talk about black more impetus, were certain reports that were released in 2017, 2018. Mm talking about the scarcity of black fund managers, uh, where they said, you know, only 12 black fund managers that they could identify new financial report and be financial news in the whole of the industry. Now, Gavin, you know, clearly from a, a sales perspective will, will point to distribution and say, actually distribution has the same challenges. C-suite has the same challenges. But I do think that that really shined a light on the lack of, ethnicity but in particular lack of black people at the top level in asset management i also think though that, that gender although the focus was on gender uh, it did provide a platform for other discussions to take place i think that, that, that is quite in, in, important yeah but the, 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 just just one one um uh, anecdote i wanted to touch on you know i'm head of the invest investment and diversity uh, the investment diversity uh, at elgin I was chair of the Investment Diversity Working Group. And I had an email in 2018, which from a lady on the investment floor saying that she's really passionate about diversity. And these are the 17 ways we can impact diversity on the investment floor. And every single one of them was focused on gender. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I just looked at it in, you know, in a, an absolute shock and <laughs> I had to go back to with, with some sort of feedback on this. And in the end, I just had to go back and say, maybe we need to think of, other areas outside of just gender <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i think i think she got it from 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 that you know where, where i was going but yeah I, I i do think the i am campaign um did actually mark i think a turning point for our industry because i do think that the you know what we saw post george floyd was a lot of corporates 
you know, come and speak out about racial equality within their own business. And I do think that what the Iron Campaign did, it did mean that, that corporates in the asset management industry actually, you know, kind of spoke out publicly, uh, either to their own staff or publicly on platforms such as LinkedIn and showed support for greater racial equality, not only in society, but within, within their business. I think that was, that was fundamental. And it's the first time, a similar trend kind of outside the industry, it was the first time that I saw in my lifetime corporates come out publicly and talk about racial equality. So, so, so I do think, you know, when we look back in history and we see these events that have occurred that have been turning points in incremental change, I do think that, that what that has done, it has moved the bar in terms of where the discussion has gone on racial equality. And it means that, for example, we can have these kind of conversations today quite openly without fear of um, kind, of, kind of repercussions, which I've got to say, you know, five years ago, I would never have had this conversation. Justin, it's, I, I really struggled with the I am hashtag, not, not because it was, I, I mean, it was hugely powerful and, and suddenly I saw mm. it, it was, it was everywhere. So it was very, very powerful. And what you're saying was how important it was and, and absolutely hearing it. I just struggled because I, I sort of start thinking, I, I mean, a number of people I sort of follow, they were doing it. And I sort of thought, well, what do I write? And I felt absolutely inadequate to write something, actually. And I didn't know how to approach it. And I recognise I come, I'm a white guy, middle class, come from a background of privilege, mm. went to a school where they're now looking, the kids in the, in the school are now looking at removing the statue of the the, the the founder of it because of his paths and his connection with um, slavery. Likewise, my kids are going to go to a school, state school, but it's got a name and they're, they're looking to rename that school because mm. of the, the association with that, um, that founder and, and their role in, in the slave trade and the, the wealth generation there. And, and so I, 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 I mean, I, I think it was a really powerful thing because it did, it did bring it to, a much broader audience and if the consequence of it is that we are having conversations that weren't having then brilliant mm. but the bit I struggled with was the connection to what what next mm. and and that's yeah, where yeah. I also sort of looked at my own workplace I looked at the boards of pension funds and and, and that sort of structural where you, where you look at those structures and you just see the imbalance and and the the lack of representation and to one extent we've addressed one diversity element with with well we're in the process of dealing with 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 women um and i still think there's a long way to go on that and it's not either or but but at the same time i just wasn't sure where the i am then leads to now perhaps that wasn't the purpose of it that was it was about knowledge and getting that sort of understanding and the fact that you it was brought out directly and personalized and and maybe i misunderstood it but I'm also sort of trying to understand, well, where does this go next in terms of the structural changes we need to see and drive through? And how do we challenge in the workplace as somebody that's instinctively supportive, but also wants to sort of challenge my employer? I'm in a leadership position in my organisation. How can I be empowered to be supportive um, and ensure that we've got the right sort of process and structures in work? And that's where I freely admit I really do feel inadequate. And so, yeah. Sorry, that was a bit of a stream yeah. of consciousness, but I don't know if that's... <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, let me go first. I'm sure Gavin will, will, will want to chip in on this. So if I go back to the originations of I Am, 
is actually a blog that, that, that Gavin wrote. Um, and, you know, he was going to post this, this blog in, in his own name. And he, uh, and effectively, it, you know, the, the start of the blog um, was talking about the challenges um, that were faced as a, as, as a black man um, at the time. Uh, and he shared it with myself and Darren Johnson, the COO at Impacts. And we both read the blog and a lot of the stereotypes that were associated in that blog, we, we related to straight away. Yeah. Um, and then the I am part, um, which is kind of more forward looking and more positive. Um, it, it kind of gave us well, when I read it anyway, it gave me hope that actually, you know, we are making a difference yep. and therefore uh, actually, you know, we want other people to, 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 to also try and make that difference as well. I, I think that the, when you think about, you know, what the impact it had, I think that it put different ethnicities side by side and humanized different ethnicities and I, and I think that, that is really important. But I also think that it, it, it really, I think it really challenged, and, I, and it's great that you say that, I think it really challenged what an ally is. An ally isn't simply an identity. An ally is actually, you have to do something. You have to do something to be an ally. It's a verb. You have to actually, yeah. I, I, and I think that actually by the process of you holding up that I am, or you thinking about holding up that I am, it actually challenged yourself to think, actually, what am I doing? Or what can I do to drive this change? Now, 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 now importantly, I do think that if we, look, if we look back now and we say, actually, what change has really been achieved over the last year? I think, you know, we put our hands up and, and we have to say that actually it's, it, it's been disappointing. But actually, I do think that having starting to have the conversation and um, being courageous, I think, is the start of of, of something that, that 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 will that will that will you know that will drive change. I think without the I am campaign, I don't think you would have had um, 100 black interns. Mm. I don't think you would have had um, you know the, the key skills workshop that, we, that that we've been working on. So, so, so I do think that that has provided a, a, a platform for, for for change that we've seen within our industry. Just a, just a few a few additional additional thoughts. So there's a there's a bit of um, there's a bit of an oddity to this because like in the in the same so the gender discussion, right? It it didn't happen because a bunch of enlightened men thought we need to do the right thing or it makes business sense. Actually, there were a lot of forthright women who kind of kicked the door down, um, and that. Yeah, I agree. It's still a long, long way to go. But I think the dial is at least moving on that. But I think what you get with the, the, the gender discussion is, um, first of all, you have just a larger number represented. You have a larger number represented in society, right? We also have a larger number represented in the workforce. Now, not at the right levels. And obviously, clearly, there's a pay gap, but they were there. So there was also almost a... Um, a group of people that could coalesce around this, um, this issue it was also um, a large group familiarity with with women from um, by men. 
typically because the issue focused on the challenges that white women face rather than rather than black women. So look, like when women had to kick the door down, but they were, it was very, very difficult, but I would say the challenge is probably greater for black people because mm. we are the opposite. First of all, there are less of us in the workplace and in society, and we are very unfamiliar, which is why Adam, you pose a question of, you know, you can go home and maybe speak to your wife um, um, about this, or maybe speak to your sister or your mother or a woman about this, but I'm very, I'm very aware that for many people, I'm the only black person they know or will ever know, and they don't know me that well. So then asking me how to fix the problem is, is, is difficult. Um, interestingly, when Justin talked about the report, like, a report was issued, but let's be honest, the report was issued and people went, oh my God, this is shocking. And then nothing happened for like four or five years, right? Mm. I, I mean, I read, I read, I knew Justin, I'd met him once, I read the report and then we made contact again. And, but then like nothing, nothing happened. And now how many fund managers are there? What, 15, 16? So in that four year period, you increase that number by one per year is pretty poor so to take it to take a, um, a a different view is um to, to one that justin posed is look like history is littered with these incidents of right now's the time for change right so you could see it in like the 90s with in the uk with the murder of Stephen lawrence yeah. right institutional racism that's something it's just the mcpherson report um, we are going to change and the daily mail splashing the names of the perpetrators a very right newspaper splashing the names of perpetrators um, across its front pages now we're going to change and then what actually changes in the us <clears throat> you know in the 1980s rodney king you know caught on video right you know police reform something's going to change go back further the mur murder of emmett till you know the civil rights act like, so the, the, the question is like what makes us think that this time is any different from those other incidents that have happened basically ev about every 20, 30 years? Yeah. What makes us think that actually now, like we are not gonna be speaking to our children in 20 years time and listening to their podcasts about exactly the same conversation. So I, I think the way that I would put it are that these windows of opportunities open. I don't mm. historically, I don't think we have stepped through that window, even jammed it open. Too often yeah. it's closed. Um, now, not to be like you know, all doom and gloom, that window is ajar right now, but I, I think we're running out of time because it's one year, you know, in two years, are we, is George Floyd only ever going to be something that we remember happened or can we measure change? I think the, the note that Justin ended on is right, which is how do you make this tangible? How do you actually turn all this into something like really, really meaningful. I think that's the yeah. biggest, that's the biggest challenge. Now I'm going to be honest, that's not a real gong today. Um, we let the conversation run on and on and on. So uh, I am putting a pause in it there and introducing Rory Sullivan's book of the week. And then we're going to pick up the conversation again after that. Stay tuned for the second half. Thank you. Welcome to Book of the Week with Rory Sullivan. This week's book is No Rules Rules, Netflix and the Culture of Reinvention by Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix, and Aaron Meyer from INSEAD. I 
I first became aware of this book when I read some of the, the press reviews of it when it was first published, um, which seemed to focus a lot on, on Netflix's culture of moving people on who don't meet its standards um, and its, its general apparent absence of structure and, and process. I must admit, based on the reviews, I dismissed it. I thought, who would want to work for a company like that? Who on earth is interested in learning about what sounds like a frat boy, really aggressive type US culture? I just thought, really, this has nothing to do with me and has no relevance to, to my life, even my role as this, the CEO of a company. For some reason, and I, I probably would say it's, it's the, the joys of going into physical bookshops and picking up physical books again, I, did, I, I picked it up and decided to purchase and read the book. It is actually a fascinating book and is certainly a, an early contender for the Sullivan top 10 of 2021 list. Um, it's actually a really scaring book, scary book. The last time I felt so physically um, affected by book was, was reading Touching the Void by Joe Simpson and Into Thin Air by John Krakauer. I went through a, a phase of reading the, the epic mountaineering and climbing, <laughs> climbing failures books. But it, it, is, it is a book that talks about how you build a business with a particular focus on um, how you reward talented people, what the role of honesty and feedback in running a business is, um, what the role of, of um, systems and processes. Ironically, um, I was reading it at, on almost exactly the same day that we at Kronos were, were introducing a system for tracking annual leave. Um, at the same point, I was, I was reading something for somebody who was saying, well, actually, we just don't have a vacation policy. So um, it certainly was not comfortable reading given, given the the timing of it, but but it is fascinating. It talks about how do you build high performing and, and high talented teams? How do you not just build a culture of openness and honesty, but how do you teach people to give and to receive feedback in a way that is actually constructive and useful and not just damaging and derogatory? Um, it is, I, I, I certainly think it, it, is, it is a book, it has, I don't think it will change anything about me, but it's certainly the book that has forced me to, to reassess everything I think about how you run a business, um, what value should underpin it, how you structure it, how you motivate people, how much control, control you need. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I would ever want to work at Netflix. I'm not sure it's the, it's the, the, right, um, the, the right organization for me. But uh, I, I would say this book is so good that Nikki Amos, the MD at Kronos and I, have, have actually, we have a weekly catch-up. We have actually set aside half an hour, an hour each week for the next nine or 10 weeks to discuss each of the chapters individually. This is a very, very interesting and challenging and, and quite a scary book but it is it, it is a perspective on business I never had and I would recommend it to anyone who's who's thinking about what is the role of the CEO in a business and how do you build a successful business to read it and prepare to be challenged fantastic book I remember when uh, the I Am campaign came out and there was a similar campaign on the likes of Instagram where people were putting up black squares and there, there seemed to be a lot of bandwagon jumping on it. And I, yeah. I remember being frustrated by many of the things that I saw people posting um, because it was really the first time I'd ever seen them and it was the last time I'd ever seen them mention anything 
on uh, on race relations at all. So I, I remember I, I was I was a bit late coming to it, and I put up an angry post and said, "I I'm going to get something done, and I'm keeping an eye on all you well-meaning white folk who have who have come out and said they're going to do this, this, and this. I'm going to hold you to that, uh, and I am trying to hold people to that. And we've got hopefully coming up a new diversity charter for um asset owners um which we're planning on launching at the end of this month gavin i know we've been in discussions about how to structure this for a, a long long time and we're hoping we can make real change there but it but it is frustrating to see you know the same thing uh, again and again and again um and you've seen uh, I, I think moving to a sports point of view we, we've seen people taking the knee and i think it was wilfred zahara said yeah i'm not bothered because it's not making any impact and we saw uh, shameful booing again at the uh, at the England game at the uh, I think it was at the Riverside Stadium midweek, um, w- which I, you know, the, there's a, a message that's failing to hit certain parts of society, um, and I'm I'm not sure what it is. We we've we've talked about this, you know, online about you know thoughts around you know white privilege and. Uh, you know that what that actually means I'm, I'm not a fan of the term white privilege because you know for me it's it's not a privilege to be white it it provides a relative advantage to other groups that are disadvantaged in uh, in comparison um but yeah i'm i'm rambling a little here um but gavin we you know we talked about maybe removing things like white privilege and you know, stop talking about you know working class and middle class, and just hit the uh, the the subject where um, where it needs to be hit. Yeah, I think again, I think you know, I'm sure Justin will have a lot to say about this, and you know, there's a lot there. So, like in terms of like, you're right. So, obviously, like Wilfred Zaha coming out and saying that he's not taking the knee, but then you had obviously Colin, Colin uh, Kaepernick in the US. Who did take the knee and was obviously, you know, literally left the sport of um, mm. American football. But so I think, you know, people think, oh my God, this is the first time it's happened. It's not. So, you know, for those that, you know, it was before my time, but if you've never studied this, just Google and have a look at the 1968 like Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's very iconic pictures of um, black athletes with a black glove on holding up their fists. And one of them was called Tommy Smith. And the same thing happened to him. So this was a protest, you know, for civil rights. Um, and like he had to leave and his compatriots had to leave the sport. And, you know, I spoke to my um, my mum about this and um, she said, and she was a civil rights activist. And she said back then it was about civil rights. You know, if we've progressed, like why is it, I mean, you know, Black Lives Matter is not a progression from civil rights. Mm. You know, Black Lives Matter basically means that we don't even have civil rights. That can can our lives please count for something? It doesn't feel like progression to me. And I think so. One of the, the interesting thing about the I Am campaign is, um, like, I, again, yeah, it was amazing, and I think it really gave people something to connect with because I think a lot of people were searching, like, like how, all the you know this huge thing is going on. How do I make sense of it? Um, and I, I do think it gave people. Um, a way to connect with the movement and to connect with one another. And it was a very, very amazing thing to witness. But one of the regrets that I have is that, you know, as Justin said in the original blog post, 
it you know the end bit was I am, but the beginning bit was I am more likely, and it was all these stereotypes. You know, I'm more likely to be paidless. I'm more likely to be told I should be grateful. I'm more likely to be um, unemployed or be a victim of crime. There's a whole bunch of things which are still the case. You know, despite you know me having the trappings of a very middle class lifestyle, are still the case now. Like mm-hmm. the, that, that's the reality of it. That's why I that's why I I wrote it. Yet that unfortunately got forgotten. And arguably, that was the most important bit because that's where the action needs to happen. So that's where, yes, I, I understand your frustration about, you know, it can seem like virtue signaling um, when, you know, particularly with social media, which, mm-hmm. you know, takes a snapshot of what's happening in real time and that becomes the reality. So I, yeah, I, I understand. I think, but again, my comments, I don't know what you think about this, Justin, but my comments around mm-hmm. the fact that, the women had to pick up the mantle and kick the door down. It was also leading on to the fact that this is why, you know, Justin and I do this, because honestly, there isn't anyone else, right? There was no, there were no, or very, very few, I should say, um, you know, more senior black professionals. But the, I mean, okay, in the asset management industry, there are none, yeah. right? You know, Dawid, yeah, um, who's obviously part of talking about black and um, needs 100 black interns. And then, you know, the list runs very, 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 very short after that. So it's kind of us, like we, we, we are it. The, the problem that we have is that we're carrying this huge load because we don't have the numbers or the familiarity that that, that, that gender does. So the, what the IAM campaign was also, as Justin said, called to is we feel we are holding up our end of the bargain. So the majority, the white majority that is, can you like help us out now? That's basically what it Carry the load with you yeah yeah can you help because like to be blunt like we are tired you know it's really 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 hard work um Mm -hmm. it's really hard work being as you both know being you know a senior investment professional anyway it's really hard work being a husband um a father um a brother you know and but then you know add in the the pressure of being a black professional where often for us it feels like you know we have a lot of mentees and it's very inspiring when they tell you to see you get where you got to, you know, gives me encouragement, but it's also, it means that your, your, your role is so much more than just do, doing a job. Yeah. It means that you represent what can be done to, for Justin and I, for communities, you know, cause we, no, we, we didn't go to, you know, private schools. We both grew up in broken homes. I shouldn't say broken homes, I say strong homes with strong mothers. Um, but our fathers weren't, our fathers weren't around. Yeah. Um, and we had to deal with like racism and and violence. So we that it's not just about being black, it's about people from that community, which who could also be white. We, whether we like it or not, realize that we carry a lot of their kind of hopes and dreams and aspirations. Yet mm. at the same time, we are still trying to fix these problems and carve our own path. And no one has ever done it before. Yeah. So I guess what I guess what we also would like to see is the the white majority, the industry, the society kind of take on the challenge mm. with us. What we're not saying is fix these problems because as I said, we spend every waking hour if we're not looking after our families or work doing this, but it can't just be us. So that's kind of the, that's kind of the, that was what the call the to arms was. To that was the call to arms. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's, it's interesting tying that into something Justin said earlier that, you know, he's chair of the, uh, uh, diversity committee and and it seems to be that a lot of chairs of diversity committees are, are one of the few black members of staff mm. that companies have and it's like 
oh, they're black, they'll be able to sort us out. And, and like black is just one thing as well that can be represented by one person in a firm. So we'll put those those individuals into a diversity committee and they can help solve the problem for us and not be taken necessarily seriously. So it heaps even, it's almost like, well, you know, it's your fault you're black, you know, so you you have to help us solve your problem. It um, yeah. seems ridiculous to me. I think, you know, should be people like me and Adam that are helping out on diversity committees, to be honest, Justin. Yeah, no, I think that that's a huge problem. Um, I, I suppose one of the things I really struggle with is, is you know, what does progress look like? And, you know, to, to the point before, I think that in a few years time and over the next 10 years, 20 years, I'll be having these discussions again with my daughter, my daughters, uh, my grandchildren, um, because all of the events that Gavin mentioned, Emmett Till, Stephen Lawrence, Rodney King, um, they, they have led to tiny, tiny incremental change. Um, but, you know, th th there is still a huge challenge that, um, there's, there's still a huge challenge that, that racial equality and equality in general um, isn't there across society. Um, but I do think, you know, for example, when, when I grew up in, in a city of Manchester, there were huge no-go areas I just couldn't go, couldn't go to, right? Because of, you know, I'd get abuse, and there'd be violence, et cetera, et cetera. I think at least now in our big cities, and maybe, maybe I'm, I'm clutching at straws here, but at least now in our, in our kind of major cities, I feel that my children are a lot safer to go and walk than, than they were than, than they were than they were historically. But I, I, I completely wholeheartedly agree that the change that has been made um, at each of those events hasn't been significant enough to actually drive um, greater greater equality. When it comes to the workplace, I do think there is this huge challenge where. Uh, where you have senior diverse, diverse and inverted commas individuals, um, but particularly the challenge for black people because there's so few people at the top, mm. is that you have to have really broad shoulders to take on, you know, mentoring other people. You know, the the, the challenge that that if you fail, if you fail in your role, you're letting down an entire community. You know, that challenge is huge. Uh, the new financial report on accelerating black inclusion talks a lot about the weights on senior black people's shoulders. Uh, it, it, and, and, and you do end up doing two jobs. I end up, you know, having to win in terms of performance of my funds and leading a team, but also at the same time um, being this champion for diversity within my business and the, ind and the industry in general. So the question, the question that, that I often get asked is, why do you do it? Why do you, because if, if I didn't do it, if Gavin didn't do it, if Dowie, Darren, uh, Rachel didn't do it, then nobody would do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There'll be nobody driving this, uh, um, uh, this, this agenda. So, so it's, it's actually really important that we do, I think, fill that void and actually look to be role models for people and further down the chain. Otherwise, they'll be in the same position that we were 10 15 years ago it's almost seen that you know hiring someone um different to the norm and when i say different to the norm i mean different to a middle class uh middle-aged white guy um it, it's almost like 
you have to be even better um, than it, it's not just being the best of all the candidates. It's being a good margin better because people see it as a as an almost taking a risk. It's like oh, you know, we're we're hiring a woman or we're hiring a black man or or something like that. Whereas you know, you don't. Th- this is something that I've. Um, benefited from my entire career and this is you know if you want to say you know white relative advantage you know I've not had to prove myself in the same way because I'm an easy mm. bet for people um you know we, we've spoken about this before um uh, especially with, with Gavin who is the most impeccably dressed mm. gentleman uh, I have met in finance um you know for reasons that he's got no he can't turn up looking you know like a uh, a, a Boris Johnson or, or a Dominic Cummings type, all shabbing stuff, because you'd be laughed out of the building. And, I mean, quite frankly, that's not fair. But where does the yeah. responsibility lie, though? I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm absolutely... The pressure on you two and, and the colleagues you've mentioned is huge, and mm-hmm. that feels fundamentally unfair, and I, I absolutely see why why you see feel that responsibility and why you're the leaders that you are. And lots of people are looking to you, but the responsibilities with the the leaders of organisations who need to be the leaders of diversity, and Absolutely. and they have got to take that responsibility, and there needs to be unashamed accountability of that. Yeah. And and I think that is where we need to sort of shift the burden. And of course, it's got to be informed by people who are living the reality of of the the challenge that they're having in the workplace and the 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 unfairness and so there does need to be a way where it is grounded in that insight but the responsibility doesn't lie with those people it lies with the leaderships and that's Mm -hmm. where we've got to have much more overt challenge and i i sort of do also wonder whether we've got to be much more explicit about the expectations because i mean 15 fund managers in the space of four i mean come on the the sector's failed full Mm. stop end of right now let's 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 get really serious about sort of the targets there and i I think the initiatives that you're talking about are are going to create that pipeline of people Mm. into this in a way that there isn't but it can't come down to you organizing that pipeline it's absurd the 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 thing is with the the pipeline is and we we had edward in the last um the last podcast talking about this is oh it's all about getting getting people in getting more more women more more black people more people of color involved and you know in my experience there's loads of black people want to come work in finance. Being a fund manager is a great job, and lots of people want to do it. It's not a problem with the funnel. It's a problem between something between people coming in as grads and hitting that kind of, you know, 10-year to get to, to fund manager level or 10-year to get to kind of middle management level. We're losing people in there, and that can only be because of culture. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's a wonder of how to... Uh, how, how to change the culture and I think you've put part of it there it has to be leadership teams it can't be in some HR function diversity and inclusion you know tucked away in the corner it has to be led by our leaders yeah 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 I, I agree I, I, yeah I wholeheartedly agree with that yeah. I mean um you know w- you know when I was talking about broad shoulders um I, I think the, the definitely the ask is that when you look at the look at our organisations, not only within the investment industry, I must add, you know, but but you know, wider, I do think too much of the burden lies on black leaders to break down structural barriers 
that let's be frank we we didn't create uh, we didn't create those structural barriers um so, so, so i do think um and it's hard to argue there aren't structural barriers when you see 15 platform managers you know three is it three now the heads of sales across the industry two black people in the seats which is hard to argue there aren't structural barriers and, and i do think your point around almost the the focus is is predominantly on the pipeline not only people coming into the business but actually you know even now branching out in, in, into communities and i do think that the the final frontier is this progression element so you've had the parker review and i think the parker review has been, been been fantastic to say you need to have an ethnic minority on your board by the end by, by the end of 2021 but actually, fundamentally, the, the, the challenge is not necessarily just the board, it's the Xcos, right? Because, and the pipeline to the Xcos. Uh, and I do think that is the final frontier. And, and we are, as talk about Black, working on that progression side, doing things like, you know, mentoring circles, trying to mentor people on, on, on a month-to-month on -month basis, doing C-suite mentoring for, you know, Black single leaders and reverse mentoring, which is quite important. Um, so they understand um the the, the uh, what, what they can do um within their businesses um but you know realistically we do recognize that that is when we talk about kinks in the hose pipe that is the one kink which is going to be the hardest one i think to unkink because the pipeline when you look at across the industry and across the corporate sector just isn't there can i can i actually just but there might even be a more debt challenging one which is um it's linked to progression, but it, okay. So if you're going to have, you know, air quotes, this diverse talent in your business, you probably hire them for a reason. And if you're being conscious about hiring again, quote unquote, diverse talent, it's because you think they offer something. First of all, they've got to be good at their jobs, right? I agree. They yeah, like have to be ex exceptional. Like you have to be exceptional because in my experience, you're just never given the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Like, so in the, in the Accelerating Black Inclusion Report by New Financial, um, which Yasmin Chimara led, there's this discussion around perfection and this constant pressure to be perfect. Uh, like, that's why I dressed immaculately because the one time that I didn't, suddenly it's, uh, oh yeah, until, you know, um, didn't or wasn't or can't or hasn't. It's, it, 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 throughout my career, it's always felt like it's just been a very, very, very quick jump from you know this guy's amazing so okay what's going on now like that is like and it's a you know a, a breath when i you know when i look across the the aisle and see colleagues who you know doing things which i think i could just wish i could turn up looking like that or say that would do it it's just the rules are just different for us the rules are just different for us so i think it really gets the point of so if you're gonna have if you're gonna progress that talent like what are you actually getting because i agree that this idea of culture culture is the culture is a has been defined by you know the white majority a demographic which i'm not part of so what ha happens is as a as a black professional you have to adapt and change yourself to sit to fit that culture and the, the, the challenge is at what point do you change that stops you from being like yourself authentic and at what point does that lack of authenticity impact your ability to really add value to an organization. So, so one of the challenges that, that we have with this discussion is it's always a values and a belief discussion. And I would love it if people would just do this because it's the right thing to do. I realize that 
like when it comes to in the environment that we work in, we don't we don't talk about like right and wrong. We talk about business results. Mm-hmm. So I, I can put my own feelings aside and just say, if you want me to perform, if this is about ultimately about outcomes and results and performance, if you want me to perform to the best of my ability for black professionals and other, you know, um, protected characteristics and demographics to perform at their best, like they should be able to walk into the workplace and feel that they can really be themselves and speak in an unobliterated fashion. I have to, before I say anything, run what I'm going to say in my head mm-hmm. and think, how's this going to land? What, what is my body language? You know, how, how people interact with me, receiving me. There's a huge amount of calculation goes before I even say what I'm going to say. The ex- So think about that before. Also think about capacity. So the exhaustion that that takes stops you from being able to apply that to being better at your job, quite simply, quite simply. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so I think if you, again, progression... And you're right. So like we think about people think about hiring. So we're hiring someone senior or hiring you know, people at graduate level. There's this whole other issue about retention. There's yeah. a whole other issue around progression of that retention. Mm. And that mm. really the, the heart of that is 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 inclusivity. And I don't mm. I don't I think it's very like yeah, you're right. It's probably easier to hire a you know a, a black professional and that makes the you know moves and shakers. Um, you know, city moves or whatever, it, whatever you know, publication you're reading. Yeah. Uh, but actually, it should be the real headline should be black professional stays and gets promoted. Then you know you get progression, and you really know Absolutely. you get progression. When I, when I can turn up unshaven, um, forgetting my tie, my buttons, my shirt done up the wrong way around, and uh, um, still be taken seriously. That's you know we're getting somewhere. Absolutely. Well, we, 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 we kind of see, we see this, it reminds me of what schools are like, you know, schools and, and, and large organizations are largely the same, you know, they take people in at one end and they're kind of like a sausage factory. They grind everyone up and they try and make them all as alike as possible on the way out. And, you know, when companies are asking for, we want diverse people coming in and then, you know, when you're actually in the um, culture wants you to be largely the same as everyone else which means that you can't take the exact reason you've been hired i.e to add diverse thoughts and diverse authenticity and they actually just grind that out of you and turn you into another another sausage um and not wanting to um go too far down there's any sausage analogies uh, or we get into trouble but uh yeah it's um it's tricky and and culture's throughout i mean i think there's there's a difference between some of the maybe the older organizations in the city and some mm. of the younger organizations in the city that maybe don't have as much history um and therefore they can strike out and uh, in in different ways and uh, gavin you're at black rock i see that there just in elgin i i see that to, to some extent there as well um so yeah culture is uh, very very that, that that's central to all of this now we are i'm gonna i'm gonna press the horn uh where are we the gong sorry there we go got jared all the way across and uh and he's only had one gong ring today um but we're we're, we're running out of time um but i want to close out by asking you guys you know you've got the ears of all our listeners uh, we know that there are many CEOs and CIOs and things like that that, that do listen into this podcast. Uh, we have a very strong listener base. Um, 
if I could get a message, you know, a one-line message, what can they do tomorrow to uh, help increase diversity in their organizations? Um, What is it? Not putting you on the spot too much or anything. No, no, I mean, you know, it's a silver bullet question. Um, And I don't think there is a silver bullet, but I would say uh, treat this challenge as you would any other business challenge. Um, View it as either an opportunity or risk to your business and apply the same methodology that you would to any other that has made you successful in other areas. Because then I think that encompasses all the other things that you need to do like what's the outcome like what's the target how do we get the business to move what's the plan what's the strategy what are the results that's the language of business and Mm -hmm. um as much as i'd love this to be a as i said a values and beliefs based discussion i don't see that working um so i would say you know make this a business imperative Mm -hmm. and align it to business goals and justin closing remarks yeah i agree with that uh, I think that one area that I think every single business in the city um, could do in order to help drive this is data collection. Um, I think, you know, there needs to be a, a much stronger drive across the industry and across the corporate sphere again on collecting data so we can actually assess how people um, are moving within our businesses. You know, I do the N-Circle mentoring circles, which are for people with zero to 10 years experience. And all of the feedback there is that they're not um, seeing progression. So the quality of data says they're not seeing progression, but I think we need to combine that quantity data. We are a results-driven industry. We focus on numbers, and therefore, I think it's, I think it's pretty abysmal uh, when you look at the data collection across 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 the industry that we we the coverage is so low mm-hmm. okay good stuff right then guys um where can our listeners um get hold of you you're, you're both on linkedin uh, is that right yeah so just not smiling because linkedin is uh I, you know it takes me a while to get through my linkedin messages um <laughs> but so i think the best way in terms of talk about black yes look, we're on linkedin of course we'll respond but i think um talk about black um we do have a page um and we are on other social media as well uh, and that's the best way because our project manager Natalie was great at, at getting back to people with, yeah. with regards to these great stuff um, these, uh, these issues and read the uh, and, read uh, the and blog also posts. The blog, read yeah. the blog posts which are hugely powerful thanks Adam. no definitely and i just i just add justin at talkaboutblack.com and gavin at talkaboutblack.com because the project manager picks up all of those emails as well and can send them on to us. Great. Well, I will put all of that information in the show notes so anyone will be able to just click on there and uh, go on. Um, So I will uh, bring it to a close there. I will thank my guests today, uh, Justin Onukasi and Gavin Lewis, um, and thank my regular co-host Adam Matthews uh, in the room with me today. And uh, yeah, thank you uh, f- to our listeners for continuing su- to support the podcast. Uh, please um, have a look through the back catalogue if you've not listened to them all yet. There's some great ones in there. A uh, particular shout out to the one with uh, Anjali uh, Raval talking about the uh, COVID-19 and the disproportionate impact on uh, 
uh, on poor uh, poorer communities uh, in London. Uh, you know, really interesting stuff. Uh, so please recommend this to your friends. Please leave us a review. Same uh, as I ask every week. And uh, join us next time where we will be having Kirsty Jenkinson of Calsters talking about the engine number one project at Exxon. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to joining you again. And I will say goodbye for now. <laughs>